Welcome into the BetUS NBA show. Glad you could join us today. I'm Kate Constable, joined by our NBA handicappers, Chris Farley and Josh C. Yesterday was not kind to us, gentlemen. Josh, you and I especially, I went 0-2, you went 1-2, but the Kings and Spurs both lost, failed to cover. Where did we go wrong? Neither one of our teams wanted to play in the second half, it seems. <laughs> Everything was going splendidly for the first 24 minutes, and then... The third quarter was a disaster all around. Washington just went away from what they were doing and basically let Charlotte back into the game and couldn't play catch-up in the fourth. And kind of much the same, I think, with Sacramento, right? They did play a little bit of catch-up in the fourth and then obviously fell apart late down the stretch, which was frustrating. But that is the NBA. So we go again and we basically try our best to forget about it. Yeah, that's a hard thing to do. I've been in my head all day. Every time I'm looking at a game thinking I, I know which side I'm going to go with, then all of a sudden these voices pop into my head telling me to take the other side, and I just sit and go in circles all day. It's, it's not good. Chris, how was your night last night? A little bit of the same as ours? Yes, it was. And I'm starting to wonder, like, you know, I got a pretty good record on this show. Is it because I'm making good picks or is it just because I'm not on this show when I do bad, you know, when I have a bad night, because I, I was one in four, but good good placement for me. No one knew about those picks. Uh, I was also on the Kings like you guys and a few other picks. Uh, so, yeah, it was disappointing. The one lone play that I, I did um, do well on is Chicago in the first quarter, which I was happy to see. You know, those 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 trailblazers start off slow. They've just done it all all year. And obviously uh, they the Bulls didn't end up winning. But so glad I got that one at least. Glad I got one, but hoping for more today. Yeah, what a game that was. As a Bulls fan, that was frustrating and stressful to watch them just absolutely melt down, have a huge collapse in the second half, blow a 19-point lead. Not a great look for the Chicago Bulls, but a good win, I guess, um, for Portland. Yeah. Much All needed. Right. Yes, much needed. much needed. Jumping into that record overall, like Chris said, we're still doing pretty good. He's doing the best out of all of us. Uh, as a team, we're sitting at 87 and 64. Chris is 28 and 13. Josh is 17 and 16. And I am two games under 500, so I need to step it up. We're going to try and do that today. Jumping into today's games, we're going to start off with the Wizards. They are in Miami tonight to take on the Heat. We talked about them um, losing to the uh, Charlotte Hornets last night. So this is a back-to-back -back for them. Heat are also on a back-to-back. -back. Heat are the seven-point favorite at home. Total is 206. Heat beat the Pelicans pretty handedly last night. Jimmy Butler returned from that ankle sprain. He had a triple-double. Tonight, though, Bam Adebayo Kyle, and Kyle Lowry, although I think Lowry is back in this game, but Bam Adebayo is questionable for tonight. Chris, You've talked a little bit today about wanting to take the heat, maybe siding more with the Wizards, going back and forth. Uh, what has you so yeah, mixed decision on this one? Yeah, I keep on going back and forth with this. I was pretty, it was one of those gut instincts on the heat, right? Just, I thought there's a little bit of an advantage here uh, immediately, just, you know, at home. Wizards not looking that great last night, but when I took a, a deeper look at this, I just, I, I can't take the heat. I also can't take the Wizards after last night, too. I and mean, this is just a tough spot for both teams. Uh, you know, so just looking at some things, the Wizards have have not, as well as they've played, they haven't played that difficult of a schedule, whereas the Heat have played the hardest schedule in the NBA so far. So it's something, considering their record and how well they've done, that is something to consider. But there are things about the Wizards that I do really like. Now, not in the second half last night. They didn't show that. 
But the you know this new coach and every every uh, Unsell Junior, uh, he's really changed their identity, right? They focus on defense. They're first in the NBA and three pointers allowed per game, first in uh, opponent efficient field goal percentage. They slowed down their pace to a lot. Last year, we would see the Wizards going up and down the court, flying up and down the court. You could take those overs a lot. 21st in pace this year, last in the league in fast break points. Not shooting as many threes or bottom five in the NBA. We saw that last night in the second half, didn't we, Josh? <laughs> Taking too many threes. Uh, so they just rely on a more sound, fluid half-court offense, and it's worked for them. They're fourth in paints in the point per game. They're a great rebounding team. They don't turn the ball over. This is just a more uh, disciplined, methodical team in most games. I think we'll see more of that team tonight because that's sort of their identity now. Uh, Bam Adebayo, I think, is probable at this point, so it sounds like he'll play. But a concern for the Heat is Jimmy Butler and uh, Tyler Hero. I mean, they played 37 minutes each last night. Uh, not a not great load management in that one. And now Hero is on the question. He has the questionable tag. We don't know if he'll play. Um, the, the, interestingly, these two teams are facing each other again in two days. That game is going to be in Washington. So that's probably something to play on. If some team really doesn't show up tonight, maybe they show up really, really well in the second game. Uh, I don't like that Spencer Dinwiddie is out. For the Wizards too, he's been he's been pretty good in his role point guard. So, uh, bounce back opportunity for the Wizards. Uh, the Heat looked good last night after they came back against the Pelicans, but there's just too many competing narratives here. So I I think the best play for me is to have no play at all. The Wizards shot 19% from three last night, so you're not exaggerating at all when you say they were terrible from three in the second half, just chucking shots up. Josh, what are your thoughts on this game? Is does any team have a significant edge in this one? Yeah, I think Miami has a slight edge. I wouldn't say a significant one. And I did lean Washington initially on the line as well. Tyler Hero being questionable, I think, is a big one because if he does sit, it really hurts uh, that second unit. He provides such a spark with his scoring as well. I've taken the under here. It did open 209.5. It's been steamed down to 206. I still think it's a little bit high. I kind of come out at 203 in this total. Um, you know, like you said, both these teams enjoy playing in the half court. And I think the fact that Washington are so reluctant to push the tempo is a big factor, given that Miami's only real weakness and chink in the armor, if you will, is transition baskets. And they're a little bit slow and lackadaisical at times in getting back um, to stop those. So the fact that they probably don't have to worry about it too much against Washington is going to be a big help for them. I think the, you know, the entirety of this game is basically going to be played in the half court. And when you get two teams playing as slow as this and with two teams also missing, I think, important contributions offensively, then it's going to make points at a premium. And for me, I just still feel even with the market adjustment, we're getting a little bit of value here on the under, which is where I'd lean for the first game of these two. And we'll see how it plays out before we dip back in for that second game in a couple of days time. And both these teams are top 10, top five in defensive rating. So right there, that's, I mean, less points when teams play better defense, obviously. Um, the Heat are a half a game back in the Southeast division. So, and the Wizards are leading that division. So these games are important these next two, two days. I would lean towards the Heat a little bit just because you'd, if you're going to play these this team twice in two days and this is your shot at home, you know, capitalize on your shot at home versus trying to bank on getting a road win and the, the Heat have um, another road game after that. So not as comfortable as being at home. So I would lean to the Heat, but Chris kind of talked me off of this one earlier today in terms of 
just not having a, a for sure play either way. So Josh is the only one with the play here. He's taken the under 206 and a half. 206, not a half, just 206 that is. Well, half point maybe. Okay, moving on to the uh, Spurs and Timberwolves. The Spurs are a two-point dog at the Target Center tonight in Minneapolis. Um, the total here is set at 218 and a half. The Wolves played last night. They beat the Kings, unfortunately, for Josh and I, who played the Kings last night. But they have yet to win back-to-back -back games since their first two games of the season. They won those first two games and had quite a few losses since and haven't won two in a row yet. Josh, you are playing the Spurs tonight, plus two, going against the Wolves again. Why do you like this move? I am going back in against the Timberwolves. Um, look, I, I still think that the matchup advantages for San Antonio are exactly what Sacramento had. It's just, unfortunately, the Kings didn't really execute the way I hoped that they would um, throughout the game, even though they were competitive in the first half. I thought they never really got going in the manner that I expected from them. San Antonio, meanwhile, I think is going to basically do what I envisioned Sacramento to do and hopefully do it better in. That is just simply try and run Minnesota out the building here. They obviously have the rest advantage. They love to play in transition. They love to push the tempo. Uh, and I think that they'll have a lot of success if that's the way that they go about their business tonight. Minnesota, we spoke about yesterday, struggle uh, defending in transition, struggle in getting back and preventing fast break opportunities. So if San Antonio can get rolling in that regard early, I think that you know they'll be able to play from in front and it might become too much of an ask for Minnesota, just given, obviously, the rest disadvantage that they're in here. The only other thing I think worth adding as well with this one is when it comes to San Antonio, they actually do a really good job of taking care of the basketball, which is super important. Uh, Minnesota do a great job of disrupting teams forcing turnovers and playing off of those turnovers points off turnovers were a pretty key point last night it's been a pretty key point of emphasis in basically all the wins that minnesota have had uh, and in the games where they haven't won and haven't been as successful they haven't been able to generate as much of a turnover advantage and turn those into points so san antonio like i said i think they're top five in turnover percentage on the season if they can look after the basketball here and then keep their foot on the pedal and just run them out the building i think the Spurs should absolutely win this one outright. But I have taken the plus two and a half. It is at plus two now. I wouldn't be against plus two. I probably wouldn't be against taking some money line either here. I think it just sets itself up really well for San Antonio. Based on how the Wolves have performed uh, after a win this this year, I would side with you and, and take the Spurs here as well. Chris, any lean either way for you? Not really on this one, although I like everything Josh said. I mean, the Spurs are just a little too unconvincing for me on a regular basis. You know, we kind of, kind of know who the Spurs are. Uh, they get some of the highest, like, consistency ratings. Uh, what that just means is they just kind of play the same way over and over again on both sides of the ball. Uh, they get high discipline ratings, so they are they don't foul a lot. Um, you know, assistant turnover ratio, like Josh mentioned. Uh, methodical offense. They like to run the floor, um, you know, and they're, so they're just a disciplined team and that makes sense. They still have a top five coach and great Popovich, I would say, but you know, they beat, I mean, when we look at who they beat this year, they beat the the magic twice. They beat the bucks uh, when they were one day away from facing the jazz and they were, you know, this, that was not a healthy, healthy bucks team. And then they beat the Kings. Uh, that being said, the T-Wolves are not one of the best teams in the NBA either. So this is a winnable game for the Spurs, uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, I just I, I just haven't seen enough uh, from the Spurs that I want to, like, you know, pick these spots just yet. Uh, it's going to take a pretty unique spot for me to pick the Spurs, I think. 
but that being said, the you know rest advantage and surely the discipline advantage is going to be with the Spurs. I just hope they can produce to the level that they might need to against a Timberwolves team who can put up points. Yeah, Anthony Edwards was pretty hot in the second half yesterday. He put up quite a few. We saw how he can go off. So, um, yeah, Wolves can definitely score in in bunches. They're just not very consistent in those bunches. So Josh is playing this one. He is plus two taking the Spurs. Clippers are on the road for the first time in 13 days. They just finished a six-game homestand. They're a one-point dog in uh, Memphis tonight. Earlier today, they were a one-point favorite. Now they are an underdog. Total is 221. The Grizzlies coming in with a little bit of a rest advantage. They have two they had two days of rest. Beat Houston on Monday. Uh, so getting that advantage is, is probably a good thing for this Grizzlies team who has really struggled lately. They rank 29th in defensive rating. Josh, no official play for you on this one, but I want to get your thoughts before I ask Chris about his game. Uh, with this line movement here, is there one side that you favor more than the other? I, I do lean the Clippers. I think it's the right side. I think it's the only side that you can play here. I mean, you talk about both teams' offenses, and they rank pretty similarly. I don't think there's too much difference there, and they have their own identities about them. Their executions are not too far from each other either, but it's when you look at the other end of the spectrum that the disparity between them is absolutely enormous. The Clippers, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA right now, and Memphis, one of the absolute worst. And it's a little bit head-scratching as to how and why, because last season they were good at that end of the floor. Um, you know, they still have good defensive pieces there, and it just seems like it's not coming together in any which way at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see if those extra couple of days gave them the opportunity to work on some things. Um, you know, the situation here and the spot itself, I think, sets itself up nicely for Memphis to try and bounce back. The Clippers being without Nick Batum, I think, is quite big as well. We saw just how influential he was when he came back into the rotation after missing those first couple of games to start the season. Uh, Terrence Mann potentially missing out as well, which would, again, impact the rotations a little bit. And that second unit, I think, he's someone who can contribute quite well in a game like this off the bench. Even with that, though, I still think it's Clippers or pass. I just couldn't get myself to t quite pull the trigger on this one, and that's why I'm sitting out. Uh, my number does come out at LA minus one. So, you know, now that it's flipped the other way, there is a bit of value there as well. And, you know, until we see Memphis show an improvement, I think, defensively, it's hard to trust them in, uh, in any situation, basically, against a top team. I think they'll continue to do the business and to beat up on a lot of the lower teams in the NBA. But when it comes to matching similar quality and similar class across the board, I think we need to see more from them before I'm willing to get in on them. This is a bit of a revenge game for the Clippers, too. Memphis beat them earlier in the season, second game of the season. Grizzlies won by four. And in that meeting, the two teams combined to put up 234 points. So these teams have no problem scoring the basketball. But it's the Clippers' defense that's been outstanding lately, holding opponents to an average of 103 points during their last six-game homestand. So, Chris, knowing that, you're playing the over 221 in this one. Why do you like that? I am. I'm playing on an over. Last night we saw a bunch of unders hit. A bunch of games that didn't even get to 200 points. So this early in the season, it is scary playing on an over. But I, I, I do think this is a good way to look at this game. Um, like you said, Kate, last game hit 234 points. I mean, my line has this around 224, actually, so still getting a little bit of value here. 
Uh, initially, I was actually thinking the Grizzlies side in this one, but I have to agree with Josh. And then especially that revenge angle, right? The fact that the Grizzlies are already um, outpaced and um, overwhelmed the Clippers there in, in, in L.A. Uh, but this is one of those situations where I think we have a matchup that does advantage the over. Uh, we have a Grizzlies team, to Josh's point. There is not one significant stat that has this team in, in the top 15 on defense. I mean, the Grizzlies are just not good on defense. Uh, they allow the most assists per game, the most points per game, whereas there's many categories, like probably many of us know by now, that the Grizzlies are doing really well on offense. Assists per game, points per game, rebounds, fast break, pain points. Uh, you know, they kind of take it on the energetic style of John Morant, especially after Valanciunas left. You know, Stephen Adams, is, he, he, you know, he can be a good, have a good effect down there in the paint, but not quite... Uh, to the same level that Valanciunas was, um, you know, but if we look at the Clippers schedule, they've exclusively had high scoring games against offenses that are built very similar to Memphis. They had a high scoring game with the Mavericks, with the Timberwolves, the Hornets and the Heat. Now they did manage to slow down the Bulls. I think that was probably more about the spot in that, in that instance, they were still on that uh, home game stretch. Uh, but I think the Grizzlies can spread the ball around here. I think they can set the tone. They can set the pace. Uh, I certainly think that the Clippers won't have much of an issue scoring points on the Grizzlies either. Both of these teams, for what it's worth, are top 11 in pace. So I do think that this favors the over. That's why I have it around 224, 225. Uh, still scary with all of the trends constantly. I think we're still hitting at over 60% in unders in the NBA. So it's a little spooky. But uh, I think this is a good setup for some contrarian uh, for a contrarian play against a Clippers team that's been excellent on defense. This game also features two of the top 10 scorers in the league. John Morant averaging 25.8 points. Paul George has been on fire lately. He's averaging 27. So that obviously uh, is a great sign for your over there, Chris. Chris playing the over 221. Josh and I are off this game. Moving on to the Philadelphia 76ers. They're in Denver to take on the Nuggets tonight. The Nuggets are an eight-point favorite at home. Total is 209.5. And, and the Sixers still without Joel Embiid, still without Matisse Thibault and Danny Green. They got crushed by Utah by 35 on Tuesday. They've now lost their last five. So things are not looking well for the 76ers. <laughs> Josh, the Sixers have topped 109 points in three of their last five games. But you tonight are playing their team total under 101. Why do you like that? I am. I mean, firstly, we're talking about the two slowest paced teams in the NBA. So that's always a starting point to want to play in under. Um, but yeah, I think what we saw as well last game in particular and a little bit in the last few games now for Philadelphia is they're starting to cool off a little bit offensively, which I think a lot of people were expecting to happen given how ridiculous they were shooting the ball for the early stages. Um, and, you know, they're matching up against a Denver Nuggets defense that is very good. Um, has established itself as being very good consistently now. It wasn't just, you know, a hot start or a flash in the pan, if you will. Uh, I think that's something that they've absolutely worked out at that end of the floor under Mike Malone this season, which is probably a refreshing change after what we've seen from them the last couple of seasons, uh, straying away from the identity that they had created there initially under Malone. So for Philadelphia, I'm just not too sure exactly where the points are going to come from in bunches in this one. I mean, you'll probably get a more efficient Andre Drummond this time around than what you got in that game against Utah and Rudy Gobert. But at the same time, uh, you know, the Denver team is more than capable, I think, of preparing and scheming for that. They do a really good job of keeping opposition players away from the rim. 
Um, so even though they do give up a high percentage, a field goal percentage at the rim, they do a fantastic job of limiting the number of opportunities teams actually get there, which I think is super important in this particular matchup. The Sixers do try to push out in transition. The Nuggets, one of the best transition defenses in the NBA, though, and I think that's probably a key point here, is if they can force Philadelphia to have to play half-court offense uh, regularly, just given the outs that they have as well and the fatigue that's starting to build up for Philly, it's going to be a really tough night for them to try and find good looks and to score consistently. So, like I said, I don't think either team going to be necessarily trying to push the pace all that much. They're the two bottom teams in pace for a reason. I think they're very methodical in their approaches um, at both ends of the floor. And so when scoring becomes at a premium, I don't think I can quite trust this Philly team, given the situation that they're in with injuries and whatnot, and the way Denver's playing defense at the moment. So it is a small total. I will admit I am a little bit uncomfortable with it, but my model shows Philadelphia scoring 93 or between 93 and 94 points. So we've got a nice little buffer there, and I'm going to take that under 100 or 101 and a half, whatever it is that's available at the moment. You talked about the Sixers' defense in the paint. Um, no, Denver's defense in the paint. They're they're good. Um, Andre Drummond might have some trouble tonight, but I think they'll also have trouble with Denver in the paint tonight. Yeah. Philly ranks 19th in points in the paint allowed, um, and Denver is fifth in the league in scoring in the paint. 45% of their points come from in the paint, so I like them at minus eight today. I think Something similar to what happened with Rudy Gobert is going to take place again tonight. Rudy Gobert had 17, 15 rebounds, 17 rebounds the other night, uh, 15 points. The Jazz out-rebounded the Sixers by 15. So, you know, those disparities, I think, is similar situation in what we're going to see here tonight with the Nuggets. So I'm going to side with the uh, spread and take them minus eight. Chris, you had the over in the last game. You're going with the under in this game. Tell me a little bit about that. It sounds like we're all looking about at this game very similarly. Um, I, you know, I kind of wanted to take Josh's play too. I think that's just as good. I mean, basically I'm betting on the same thing happening. Uh, the only reason why I'm betting on the total going under as opposed uh, to the Sixers is by the, by the rare chance or the little chance, I think, that the Sixers actually really like show up and start shooting really well again, even without Embiid, because they're on this five-game losing streak, you know, and this is a, a treacherous road game uh, stretch that they're on on the West Coast. I mean, they just must be sick of it, right? They just must be tired at this point. Uh, that being said, uh, right on your number, Josh, the last eight, eight home games, Denver only allowing 93.6 points per game. And that's, and that's an astounding number um, in the modern NBA, right? That's kind of their philosophy now. I love this game for Jokic. Uh, it's the closest thing I think we have in the NBA to like a football team with a quarterback just controlling the entire game. I mean, I think he's going to you know, be able to really slow down this game, a lot of post play, a lot of like at the top of the post, you know, facilitating the ball and really just annoying the 76ers team that's already tired. Mm -hmm. uh, the Nuggets are off of three days of rest off of that loss to the Mavericks. So I love this spot much more for Denver. So I think you're on the right side too in this one, Kate. Uh, I just, you know, maybe maybe eventually the 76ers are going to wake up even without Embiid and like play a really close competitive game. And but yeah, to all of your points, the 76ers, is going to take an exceptional shooting game, like around 50 percent, I think, to hang in this one with the way that this Denver defense is playing two of the slowest teams in the NBA, like Josh said. So you guys have really said it all. I mean, I think this sets up really well for an under and it sets up really well for a Denver win. So I'm trying not to sound too excited about it, but I really like this bet. And the Sixers' road 
trip doesn't stop here. This is only the second game of this West Coast tour. They, they go to Portland, Sacramento, and then Golden State. So they have a long road ahead of them. And yeah, based on all the players they've had out, uh, their short rotation, they have to be tired going into this one. I would be tired if I were them. Yeah. So let's hope that uh, scoring is at a minimum tonight uh, to hit those unders and, and the Nuggets minus eight. Questions? For us, thanks for sending those in. As always, remember to do that in the chat feature. We'll get them answered towards the end of the show. We have one here. What do you guys think about the Cavs under 100 and a half? They play the Warriors tonight, and the Cavs are on a back-to-back. They played Brooklyn last night, so now coming back home, hosting maybe a Steph Curryless Warriors team. He's questionable for tonight. Uh, but Josh, what do you think about the under 100 and a half? Uh, I like it. It's the only way you can play it. And as odd as it might sound, I like it more if Steph plays, to be honest. Um, it means that the Warriors keep their identity a little bit more, um, particularly offensively, which will then transpire to the defense as well. Curry, a really underrated defender as well, by the way. We won't go too much into that, but his improvements at that end of the floor are very, very notable. But, you know, when you're just looking at this Cleveland team right now with the outs that they have, it's difficult to see where they score points and how they score points consistently. Um, you know, they struggled against Brooklyn. They struggled against, well, they struggled against Boston prior to that. They struggled against Brooklyn again, um, unsurprisingly, aside from basically one hot quarter, I think it was. The Warriors' defense speaks for itself at the moment. I don't think anything else can be said that hasn't already been said about it. So under 100 and a half sounds perfectly fine to me. Uh, I would absolutely lean that way if I had to pick a side there. Chris, how about you? Warriors have one of the best defenses in the league, we saw what they did to Brooklyn the other night. Can they do something similar to the Cavs? It worries me that Mobley and Allen are out of this game only because the Cavs is sort of how they slow down the pace and they control the game there, uh, you know, in the in the paint. So they just might be become more, you know, guard dependent in this game, which could increase the pace of the game, right? More shooting, more turnovers, et cetera. Uh, so that's the only concern that I have. I, I also want, I mean, I wanted to bet on Golden State in this spot you know especially with those two guys out because i think they're the focal point for that Cavs team but after that huge win for golden state uh i just i, I can't play on them the next game after that on the road uh, against a cleveland team that's getting better and better so i do i would lean to the under two but it wouldn't be a strong play for me cleveland's really good against the spread as well uh they were leading the league and against the spread earlier this year uh, and i think they've dropped a little bit i want to say the heat are the top team against the spread. So, yeah, just to your point of, of playing the Warriors and coming off of that uh, big win, it might be safe to side on the Cavs in terms of the spread on this one. Let's take a look at our best bets for today before we get out of here. We are all playing one play on the Nuggets game tonight. Um, Chris has taken the under in that game. I'm taking Nuggets minus eight and Josh is going team total. We've got in a couple other over unders tonight and hoping that the Spurs can knock off the uh, Timberwolves and, and Josh can finally get his win over the Wolves in this one. <laughs> well, that is all we have for you today. Have fun watching basketball tonight. We will be sure to do the same and we will see you guys all back here again tomorrow. Yes.